0: Just want to welcome all of you here it's really great to see your faces masks or otherwise uh, i've been asked and josh has been asked kind of what our our plan is uh, as we begin to gather again and and you know a lot of our plans have had to be extremely adaptable in this time uh, as i am guessing you can all understand but i think the clearest answer is that this is a start this is a start to us beginning to meet again Uh, currently in Multnomah County we can gather 50 people at a time we are longing for phase two at some point in the future when we can uh, take that all the way to 250 at a time maybe there'll be a step in the middle maybe there won't it's hard to say Um, those are the official steps as it is right now but our plan is to begin with this gathering Uh, in the coming week or so we're gonna also add video streaming to this so that there'll be no delay for anybody that wants to be a part of this uh, on Sunday mornings. And then as a uh, demand, as there's interest, we're going to add uh, additional gatherings like this. And then the hope is as we stack up services on Sunday and as Multnomah County opens up further, then we can just kind of gradually grow that size until some point in the future that is probably farther than we wish it was, but still is coming when, when it will feel something like it did before. So it's good to have you with us. It's good to have all of you with us who are, are watching this online. want to just remind everybody, particularly online, for how you sign up for this. Uh, you guys all figured it out. Uh, but each week, we will put out a link to the next week's Sunday service to register. And that link will be in the Sunday Sermon video. So if you are signed up for our mailing list, you will get that email every week. Look for the Sunday Sermon video, and there'll be a link at the bottom to sign up uh, for the following week's uh, gathering. Uh, So we hope that we have opportunity to see a lot of people kind of filter through here and see a lot of familiar faces uh, in the coming weeks. As we gather, uh, as you guys have gathered and and online, just want you to know uh, we're we're all going to wear masks unless we're on the stage and then we'll put them on when we come off. We're just trying to be considerate to everybody uh, and be conscious of health and respect the guidance that's been given uh, by the city. Uh, we're limiting this to just the upstairs, so we've kind of blocked off the rotunda, blocked off the downstairs. Uh, we're just going to use this one main bathroom, which should be uh, sufficient for everybody who gathers here. There isn't going to be childcare for a, a while. It, it just isn't a way to do that uh, safely and in a healthy way at this point, but we look to do that in the future, well, there isn't also there also isn't going to be communion right now, but we're looking at ways to do that uh, maybe the old school little crackers and cups uh, we'll, we'll see we're we're, we're going to try uh, some experiments with that uh, in the coming weeks and and if you want to give the giving box is uh, here at what will be our, our main exit as you leave the building uh, on your way out so um, like i said we hope to to grow these we hope to add more gatherings in the future and just keep an eye i know that that uh, we're all sick of a lot of digital content. We're all sick of email, but please do keep your eye on your your email inbox, as that's the most consistent way that we're going to to be able to, to communicate. Uh, and with all this video stuff that we've got into and that we haven't really been a part of before, uh, I just want to say one need that we have is we could really use some folks uh, to help out with that. If you have a background in video production, if you've been involved in video streaming or anything like that, we would love to hear from you. Actually, Evan, our worship pastor, would love to hear from you. And you can just email him at evan at dorofhopepdx.org. And then one last thing is that uh, really the, the heart of our church outside of Sundays is community groups. And without Sundays, that's really become the heart of our church. And usually at Door of Hope, uh, community groups run from September through the month of May, and we take a break in the summer. But given everything going on in the city in the world and in our church, we felt that it was important to... Uh, Continue our community groups through the summer and they did and many of them are still going strong but but definitely some of them are feeling the weight of not having that break and we could really use some more community group leaders and so if you ever thought about getting into community group leadership if you've been at door of hope for a while and you've already been in a community group that's that's kind of the prerequisites um, we would love to hear from you we would love the opportunity to get you involved in that and be able to make sure we have enough room uh, to connect everybody that wants to connect to a community group and if you're interested in that you can uh email pip our community group's pastor which is pip that's short for philip in case you were wondering uh pip at door of hope pdx dot Oh, well, great to see you all again, and I'm going to uh, hand it back to Josh here as we open up the Bible together.
1: Look at, Tim gave me a really giant clock to to assist the Holy Spirit uh, in the dangers of moving from Spirit-filled speech to monologue. Um, so because God knows it's been long enough since I've seen your faces. When I got to Cannon Beach, I'm like, I've been, since we've been doing video, I'm like consistently like 25 minutes. And I get to Cannon Beach and the first night, it was like an hour and 10 minutes. I was just so excited to be with people. I just kept going. And they were so happy to be there. They didn't see the mind. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep going then. Um, so <laughs> uh, man, it is great uh, to see all of you. And uh, you know, it's a it's a really challenging thing um, to uh, for us uh, in leadership to know how to lead a church that we can't see. And there's a lot that we just don't know, and this is why Tim encourages community groups because it's you know there's been many times in history where the church has been pushed into that house-to-house model. Uh, there's many places in the world where that's still the only kind of church you can gather in. Uh, and we need to be reminded that China is a place where the house church has been the main way in which the church has gathered and let's just be reminded that it's one of the fastest growing communities of the Christian faith in the world uh, so we need to be careful uh, because there is a lot of rhetoric out there about it. it's not really church unless it's a Sunday gathering and you know I believe firmly that, that when God's people gather together around King Jesus Uh, whether two or more gather in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Um, I do believe that ecclesia means gathering, and I do believe that we are living in a time, and many of you have emailed me from all sorts of different perspectives. Some of you deeply concerned about um, COVID, about even the possibility of gathering. I'm sure there's many that are upset that we're gathering today, um, thinking that it could be uh, careless, And, and we also have to recognize that this is this has never happened uh, i was talking with gary Bershears, he said you know some people are saying this is like the 60s uh, and he goes it's nothing like the 60s it's something altogether different and i believe a lot of the spirit of what we're experiencing today is is more spiritual in nature than anything else uh, and uh, i have my own opinions about about covid as many of you do as well uh, and and the fact is is that none of us know anything my my opinions vary from my wife Darcy uh, who gets more nervous when she goes out than I do and I believe that we have a responsibility so for those of you that's been really like we need to gather this is a violation of our rights as American citizens I may I I, I'm not gonna tell you what I what I think or where I lean but whether I agree with that or not we have a responsibility to maintain unity as a community and there's a variety I can promise you by my inbox uh, that the opinions are not unanimous. <laughs> okay, <laughs> where the votes are divided, uh, um, not even among two options. It's it's a plethora of options, and and I'm grateful that so many people have so many opinions. And just pray for us that we as leaders have wisdom and how to move forward. Even amongst the staff, uh, there is a variety of levels of comfort and discomfort. And so, you know, the one thing we can say for certain is that what makes all of this so difficult is that a very real illness has been weaponized by politics and and you know for better or for worse we're at the mercy of that and uh and so how do we navigate as citizens uh here and at the same time citizens of king jesus and uh and this time has pushed me more toward a truly apolitical position than any time in my life uh, personally. Uh, so I wanted to share with you, before we jump into the message on envy, this word, because it really spoke to me today. I, I've been slowly working through the works of what become quickly one of my favorite uh, 20th century thinkers, Christian thinkers. a guy named uh, Jacques Ellul, French a sociologist and theologian. And he said this. He said, The only vision that Christians can have of the world they live in is an apocalyptic one. He says, Well aware that the present moment may not be the end of the world in the historical sense, they must act as if it were the last. This is the meaning of the counsel often given in Scripture keep watch. What counts is not the world's actual end, but that life is truly apocalyptic at this very moment. In other words, every age has believed that it's living in the worst age and that Jesus is going to come at any moment. And because the end times began the moment that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we need to understand that Jesus himself said that the days would grow increasingly dark before his return. And the days have grown increasingly dark, and we've seen it in our own city. Uh, and this is why we need to keep the expectation and the hope that Jesus is already victorious, that he is triumphant. Because door of hope must not become door of hopelessness. <laughs> That's not very appealing title. I mean, we don't want to change the web. Maybe we should just try that for a couple weeks on the website. Hey, come to door of hopelessness. <laughs> no, we need to be conduit. It's not a false hope. It's not a pretend happiness We're grieved by what we see around us, but it's an interior confidence that Jesus is in control, that he holds the keys to life and death, that he holds the keys to the history of the world as we know it, because he is king, and this is his world, and he's not finished with it. So, that encouragement, as we move into this message, which is... Another word from the seven deadly sins. What a great time to spend time thinking about vices. Uh, And we're going to be looking at envy today. The passage uh, that we're going to be considering is from James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18. And James writes these words. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a powerful passage. And this passage works for both the vice of envy and also the vice, obviously, of pride, which I believe all the other vices flow out of. We have to begin by really asking the question, what is envy? In the Latin, it's invidia. Uh, And I think Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, said it best. He says, he says, envy is a reluctance to see our own well-being overshadowed by another's. Because the standard we use to see how well off we are is not the intrinsic worth of our own well-being, but how it compares with the others. Uh, It's a kind of dense statement, but I just like that opening line. It's a reluctance to see ourselves overshadowed by another. You know, Dorothy Sayers in her book, Creed or Chaos, had what inspired me uh, to initially even do a series on the seven deadly sins was her book. And she said of envy, and she wrote just a little essay on the seven deadly sins, and she said of envy, she goes, if greed, which is what we considered last week, is the haves versus the have-nots, then envy is the have-nots versus the haves. Because envy is, first of all, a desire for someone else's life. And I want you to really think about that. I mean, it's funny how that can be manifested, especially in a culture that's driven by celebrity, uh, how we constantly wish we had what others have. It could be their looks, it can be their their it can be their power it can be their giftings or their talents and and we kind of have set up our celebrities as almost like little gods uh that we i mean look at the ways that certain celebrities i mean there are people that are famous just for being famous like they don't actually have any talents i'm not going to name names uh, they just are constantly in the public eye, and yet they establish, and I think of a group of women that actually have established trends around the world uh, for how one ought to look. And, 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 and it's, it's amazing to me the ways that we are so imp- impacted, especially in a time where social media uh, is one of the primary ways that we are staying connected to the world, which Let me just say, if we wanna know partially why the world is so crazy, uh, allow social media to be the defining reality for your life. Uh, And envy's gonna come out in all sorts of ways that you, I mean, how many of you, I've had this, where I see friends post pictures of their homes and, we, and, you know, we are always posting the best part of ourselves uh, in an Instagram account or, or on Facebook. And, and it's like, oh man, look what they, ha- I wish I had that. Or look where they're on vacation. Or that, doesn't that look, I just wish I had that life. When I was a kid, I mean, I, I saw envy rise up in me very early because I was extremely poor. I remember very specific moments in in my childhood where I wished I belonged to a di- my friend's family who's like and it was always usually over dumb things material things like why did my friend get vans and I have these weird I remember when checkered vans came out in the early 80s and I wanted those so bad and my mom kept buying me these brown suede shoes from Sears that didn't even have a brand on them And then I remember when Air Jordans came out and I'm like, I begged my mom, like, please, can I have a pair of Air Jordans? And she went to Volume Shoe Source and bought me the plastic fake Air Jordans, which is worse than not having Air Jordans, by the way, because everyone made fun of me. I remember when deck shoes got popular and she bought me plastic deck shoes from Volume Shoe Source and being made fun of by the kids because it was so obvious that they weren't real leather. I mean, the horrors of being a child in a materialistic age, Uh, but I mean, envy goes clear back to my being a small kid and hating my name because I wanted to be Steve because I love the million dollar man (laughs) so I know what it's like to desire someone else's life but secondly envy isn't just the desire for someone else's life it's 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 a willingness to not be sad (laughs) to even revel in the person who you envy's failure. And this is the incredibly dark side of envy. It's what Aristotle defined as the pain caused by the good fortune of others and the joy caused by their demise. Why is envy so hard to detect? Well, envy is hard to detect because it's the most secretive of the vices. It makes us small. And and it's secretive because it's humiliating. We never want to admit (laughs) that we are envious of another. So we... We refuse to admit it. We hide behind false indignation or self-pity. It it hides itself because it's so petty, so self-absorbed, it unveils our egos and our insecurities. And therefore, it hides behind, number one, criticism. And I would just ask you the question, are you critical of someone, annoyed by them, And is it possible that it's actually because you're envious of them? Have you ever had that? I know that I've had that. I've had that in ministry, especially when I was starting off and beginning to preach and beginning to to enter into ministry more intensely where I would begin to compare myself to the men I worked for. And I would be critical of their communication skills. I'd be critical of, of their life behind the scenes. But really, it was because I wanted what they had. I wanted to be where they were. I almost lost my job at a church in California over being critical of the lead pastor. And there were a lot of things that were actually alarming. Behavior that needed to be addressed. But my primary concern was not his restoration. My primary, or even his correction my primary concern was I believed I deserved what he had and all I could see was his faults and that was what I focused in on but it wasn't because I was concerned about him it was because I believed he shouldn't be where he was because I should be there and I think that if any of us most of us have had experiences like that. It could be in the job place. We're like, how does that person continue to get the kudos? I mean, look what I do. This is the most difficult when someone who does what you do, but does it actually better. <laughs> and I promise you that this is one of the hardest things that, that we find amongst celebrities. That's why when celebrities begin to age out of their careers and they all of a sudden start you know getting plastic surgery and just grasping at that fading uh acolytes that they get from culture because famous today is forgotten tomorrow i mean i think about i was actually like you start thinking about like people that were like always in the public eye you know even 10 years ago they're like what happened to them and it's this constant grasping of something that you can't maintain. And the fact is, is that even if you're the best in the world, I've become obsessed through COVID. I started boxing um, back in May. And I've become, obs- of course, because I'm obsessive, obsessed with boxing. And I've started reading every biography. I now can name every heavyweight world champion all the way back to 1896. <laughs> and, and what's fascinating is that, that the greatest, they, they come up. And they they hit this peak, but there's a point where there's diminishing returns. Someone younger and stronger. Joe Lewis is the greatest fighter probably of all time. But in in an attempt to maintain this position, he eventually began to lose because he kept fighting beyond what he was capable of maintaining. And that's because there will always be someone better that will come along, no matter how good you are. And I think that that is really hard for us. I mean, I look at the, the, uh, the criticism that you find in Numbers chapter 12, um, Miriam uh, and Aaron's envy of Moses. Remember in verses 1 and 3, it says that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. They, they were poking at him because of, of his marriage to this woman. And he said, for he had married this Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? So they saw something that they saw was problematic, but in reality, they were just jealous of him. They were jealous of the position that he held in regards to his closeness both to God and his authority over the people as God's anointed leader. And they knew Moses' faults. Aaron had to speak for Moses because Moses wasn't willing to be even the the spokes. Like Aaron, I had to have think, like, why is Moses picked? He's not. He's afraid to even speak to the people. And it says, it says, and the Lord heard it. And I love this because if Moses indeed wrote this, you now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. It's one of my. <laughs> I, I really want to believe that Moses did not write that particular. That that was just added by a scribe under the influence of the spirit. <laughs> but, but this is what, what happens is God hears it and he defends Moses because he's like, it's not your place. Don't concern yourself with him. I have chosen him and every person that God chooses is broken. <laughs> so why are we worried about it? Amadeus is a great picture of that if you've ever seen that movie where... Salieri's maddening envy of the superior music, musicianship of Mozart. And he can't reconcile Mozart's immature behavior with the genius that God has inexplicably bestowed upon him. And he's been this devout Catholic all his life. And he cannot believe that God would choose Mozart over him with such a gift. I have been faithful to you. I deserve what he has. This is the spirit of envy. It hides behind criticism it also hides behind self-pity man we live in an age of victimization where it is being a victim is celebrated it's almost demanded that we maintain the position of victim because that is the thing that society accepts but self-pity is often hidden behind this life is unfair, I'm, I, I've, I have been, if you knew how hard my life was, then, then you would know this or that, and, and it's possible, and it's possible, and I found this as well, it's so easy, especially when I'm in, in seasons of exhaustion, where I just begin to feel sorry for myself, uh, and, and it becomes excuses for what is behind it, actually attitudes that are quite dangerous, And I I think about this over the years of Door of Hope. I've seen the bitterness that comes from envy. All my friends are married and I'm not. That person is beautiful. I'm not. They had an unfair advantage. I've had that. That's been one. If you grew up without a dad, if you grew up in the poverty that I grew up in, you know, you would would be just as glitchy as I am. And then the Lord reminds me, oh, they are just as glitchy, Josh. Just not in the same way. (laughs) And who cares if they aren't? (laughs) because your glitches are enough for everybody (laughs) i could have done that too if i had that background why is envy so deadly well here's the thing envy drains us of joy it poisons contentment it destroys gratitude and it crucifies love remember what it says in mark chapter 15 Verse 10, for he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Bertrand Russell, the philosopher, said envy was one of the most potent causes of unhappiness. Envy turns us into complainers and it drains our ability to enjoy life now. And one of the great questions that we must ask is, are we content? Are we content? Another great passage of the children of Israel in in the wilderness gives us a picture of that envy in numbers 11 when it says now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving so the children of israel also wept again and said who will give us meat to eat we remember the fish which we ate freely in egypt and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions there's no evidence that that actually was true by the way uh, and the garlic but now our whole being is dried up there's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes They were so discontented that they became envious of a life of slavery rather than the freedom that God was giving to them as he led them into the promised land. Envy is built upon danger, the danger of comparison. Again and again, Moses was challenged by people that thought that they should be the ones who were connected. And I think of that of when Korah, The sons of Korah challenged Moses' authority just like Aaron and Miriam, but their end was much more deadly for, remember, God caused the earth to swallow them up and I think that's exactly what envy does. It swallows us. I don't want to be who you made me to be. I disagree with how you made me. That's essentially what envy says. Lord, I'm not content with the person that you made me to be. You know when, when the cult of Enneagram was really taking hold of the church? <laughs> I like to call it that because uh, some of you are still in that cult. Um, and <laughs> but Christians, we, we, love, we love fads and that's definitely a fad. But, it, but I don't know about you, but when I took that test, part of my distaste for Enneagram wasn't even whether or not it was valid or not. It's just that I didn't like my number. I didn't want to be a seven. I wanted to be a one. I mean, a one is a... That's the reformer. I want to be that guy. I think, and I think of all the pastors I know that are ones. And I'm like, those are the guys that shape the world. What do sevens do? They're just like stinking Peter Pan. They're just trying to get away from everything. And, uh, and, and then the staff would be like, yes, Josh, you are a seven. <laughs> and I'm like, this is lame. I want to be this. And I think that this is, the, this is that, that statement. I don't like God who you made me to be. I'm not okay with it. But what an offensive thing to say to the creator of the universe who knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. Yes, we are plagued by and shaped by a sinful reality. But we can't use that as our excuse because we who have placed our faith in Jesus have been born again. And that new birth means that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the reality that we live in is this tension that we are both sinners and we are saints and the only reason we are saints is because we are sinners who have been saved and this is why we have to understand the cure if you know what you envy you will discover what you are really living for it unveils what is really important to us what did the text in james says but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic, where there is envy and self-seeking, confusion and every evil thing are there. Notice, it's something that you become filled with. And What are you filled with? What does it say in Romans 1? We were in Romans for a while and We recognize that Romans is best taught in the context of people together. The density of, uh, the denseness of the theology. And uh, uh, this is why we jumped out and moved into this series. Because I want to get back to Romans because I love it. And it's powerful. But I love this how it says in Romans 1, 28 and 29. Speaking of the ungodly. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. And you'll be like, that's not me. Wickedness, covetousness, greed, maliciousness, backbiting, full of envy, murder, strife. Deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, proud, boastful, arrogant. It goes on. And you, you find, oh, wow, I'm in that list at least once. Probably in some way or another, almost all of them. And this is why Paul gives this exhortation to the church don't be filled with this, be filled with the Spirit. What are you full of? Envy can fill us and take us over and shrink us down and cause a bitterness that robs us of joy and crucifies our ability to love. But when we are filled with the Spirit, it is, remember, not us getting more of the Spirit, but it is the Spirit getting more more of us. It's the Spirit's control. And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can now begin to turn toward freedom from the tyranny of envy. Because remember, repentance is a change of direction. Not just for the mind, but for life itself. And this is why I want to call us in closing to turn from envy to these three things. First of all, we need to turn from envy that is that discontent spirit to gratitude. Psalm 100 verse 4 says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name. I I think that a discontent spirit is a spirit that is over our country and over our world right now. We may not think of it in terms of envy but discontentment is not a place where you want to live and if it's driven by envy of others on top of that it's going to be it's going to be it's going to kill you. It's going to kill your soul. And I, and I encourage people, I was, we were watching, for the first time ever in Door of Hope's history, we had a stinking battle, a uh, political battle on our on our community Facebook page, which we ourselves, it's, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not an actual Door of Hope page, it's just a page that Door of Hope people were able to like find roommates and, you know, find a washer and dryer, and all of a sudden it became like a, two-week battle over over political posturing and it was so toxic and it was so disheartening and what it showed me is like people are spending way too much time alone way too much time in front of their computers because I've been shocked I've never used Facebook and I signed up for an account when COVID started because my family uses it I, can't, I, I still can't figure it out. I actually, I, st- I haven't looked at it, I don't think, in like a month. But I looked at this when this happened. I think it was the first time I ever looked at Door of Hope's page. I almost commented, but then I was like, I don't actually know if I know how to comment on it even. Um, and I don't really want to, actually. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't need to even expend my energy on that. And I really, in the last few first few months of COVID, I was trying to post consistently on Instagram to stay connected to everyone. And I'm like, man... Once the protest started, I was just like, I'm like, that is just going, this is not a good space to even mentally, intellectually, spiritually, emotionally live in because it's so toxic right now. And I want to maintain hope for all people. I want to maintain a posture of grace for everyone I come into contact with. And this is making me not be very excited about humanity. That's how I feel about the news (laughs) right now. And I think that this is the thing that we have to deal with. And I would just encourage you, what is your level of gratitude right now? Are you, are you filled with, with hope? Are you, are you grateful for the life that God has given you in spite of what we're experiencing? Secondly, do, we, we don't just turn from envy to gratitude. Um, because we should be grateful that, it's, that, that I am in Christ that i it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in and through me i am grateful that god would choose a foolish ridiculous person like me to be a conduit of his gospel message and he has chosen all of us fools to be that what a beautiful privilege how can we not when you wake up and you look at your kids the other day my son henry he's 18 he's so hairy And he's just laying in bed and i looked in the bedroom and i saw him laying there he's sharing a bedroom with his sister right now because we are in a temporary home while our house that has been taken down to the studs uh we got in way over our heads with we bought a true fixer-upper i am optimistic this is a fixer-upper and and they have been sharing a 14 year old girl 18 year old boy they're sharing a room and they're just maintaining such good spirits about it. And I looked in the room and I hadn't spent much time with my kids and I just I saw Hank lay in there and he's just like sprawled out and I just jumped on him and just wrapped my arms around him and just started kissing his face. And he's like, "Dad, what are you doing?" and his voice is lower than mine. And I'm like, "I just was overwhelmed with gratitude. This is my boy. This is my baby. My man child." <laughs> And and those are the little things that we can't take for granted in this time. Our grandkids, our children, our spouses, our jobs, our friends, our Jesus. Number two, turn from envy to kindness. Man, we cannot afford to live in a place of hostility as believers. Put away your political illusions because I'm telling you the right and the left or whatever position you might think you're in that's not either of those two things they're all wrong they're all human and the kingdoms of man will fail always they may last for a while and there may be some some methods of thinking or living that are better than others but I can promise you that America is no different than any other kingdom that's ever gone before it they come and they go and it is only the kingdom of Jesus Christ that will last forever and we have to live with that kind of tenacity. I'm not saying we shouldn't be grateful for the country in which we live. We should. And we should be good citizens. But we cannot divide in the church over political posturing because it is all illusion. And I stand tenaciously by that. If you don't like that, feel free to email me about it. And I, I may or may not respond. But I love you. And I want to talk with you really about Jesus. Secondly, Turned, or thirdly and finally, turn from envy to contentment. We gotta be grateful. We've gotta be kind. What draws people to the church? Our opinions? What, what does a non-believer think when they look at our Facebook page and see we as fellow Christians fighting with each other? What, what does that say to the world that is lost and hopeless because without jesus right now this world is hopeless what are we offering them is your life attractive to a non-believer do you have that something that others want a piece of and i pray that we live with that supernatural presence that peace that surpasses understanding that says no matter how dark the days are jesus is on the throne because that is how we're gonna move from envy to gratitude, from envy to kindness, and from envy to contentment. Because what does it say in First Timothy 6.6? Godliness with contentment is great gain. I am content with wherever Christ has me because I can trust that though I will always be incomplete in this life, My hope is in him, and hope does not disappoint. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 23. Jesus is our hope. He is coming. Let us live in the light and the expectation of his return. And let us live with a joy that draws the lost in this time. You guys need to know, like more people are, are going online, listening to our messages than ever before. People are hopeless. I've been sharing the gospel with all these workers that are working on our house that aren't believers and they are open. People are dying for something to believe in right now. And they are recognizing that everything that they have ever hoped in, is not, is not going to sustain them. The things that they had put their hope in are falling apart. I mean, this is the world that we live in. It's a wonderful time for the power of the gospel. So may we live with Jesus at the forefront. Amen? I love you guys so much. It is so good to see your faces, partial faces. It's like I'm preaching to a lot of ninjas. <laughs> uh, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. For this day thank you that you are on the throne thank you for the life that we have in you may we decrease that you might increase in and through us may we remember that in our worst days you were crazy about us lord i pray for everyone in this room i pray for everyone that is watching this message Lord, and everyone that will watch it, I pray that if there is anyone that doesn't know you, that they would know by the revelation of your Holy Spirit that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, the Savior of this world, and that you have entered into our brokenness and you have made it your own, and that you are reconciling all things to yourself. And Lord, your word says that whoever confesses with their lips that you are Lord, And believe in their heart that God has raised you from the dead, shall be saved. Lord, we want to put our hope in you because we can't live this life without you. And I just encourage all of us to ask that question. Is Jesus Lord? Because we need a different master than the master of ourself. Lord, may we come under your mastery. And may we find in our surrender to you the freedom that we all long for. We love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, guys, we're going to uh, just take some time. We can stand together. And we're gonna, Evan's going to lead us in some worship. And uh, I'm going to be out, outside at the, at the back door to, um, to say my goodbyes to you and my little my bandana where I feel like a bank robber. Um, I should have preached to you in that. Evan actually had a dream that I preached to you in a clear mass that was squishing my lips. Um, And I desperately wanted to find one to wear (laughs) so that he could truly know that he was a prophet. (laughs) So why don't we stand together as we worship our king and man, love you guys. I know this isn't, this isn't, church as we fully want it to be but it's something and it's a beginning toward a return uh, to a new day and so today is the day of the Lord and let us be glad uh, that he has given us life and has given us himself and he's given us one another. Love you guys.